All right, if you take your Bibles and turn with us for a few moments tonight to 1 Samuel chapter 16. And I want to say I'm amazed at how God puts things together because I was pre- been studying for some time on the life of David and uh, was thinking about uh, preaching uh, some messages on the life of David. And I wasn't really thinking about this ordination service, but thought that I would preach at least one of those messages tonight. And as I was thinking about the service and I was thinking about as we got closer to this Sunday, I remember the ordination service and I stand amazed at how God can just link Scripture together with what we need at that right time. And so I want to preach tonight for a few moments on the life of David uh, concerning the man that God uses, the man that God uses. And here in 1 Samuel chapter 16, if you're able to stand with us in reverence to the Word of God in prayer, We'll bring this message and we'll preach this message not just to Brother Josh, but as well as to the entire church. I think it'll be something that will help all of us. First Samuel chapter 16 and verse number 1. The Bible says, And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long wilt thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? The Bible said, Fill thine horn with oil and go, and I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite, Bethlehemite for I have provided me a king among his sons. And Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hear it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, Take an heifer with thee, and say, I am come to sacrifice to the Lord. And call Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show thee what thou shalt do. And thou shalt anoint unto me him whom I, whom I name unto thee. And Samuel did that which the Lord spake, and came to Bethlehem. And the elders of the town trembled at his coming, and said, Comest thou peaceably? And he said, Peaceably, I am come to sacrifice, and the Lord sanctify yourselves, and come with me to the sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons, and called them to the sacrifice. And it came to pass, when they were come, that he looked on Eliab, and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before, is before him. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel, and he said, Neither hath the Lord chosen this. And Jesse made Shammah to pass by, and he said, Neither hath the Lord chosen this. Again, Jesse made seven of his sons to pass before Samuel. And Samuel said unto Jesse, The Lord hath not chosen these. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Are here all thy children? And he said, There remaineth yet the youngest, and behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Send and fetch him, for we will not sit down till he come thither. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and with all of a beautiful countenance and, a goodly, and goodly to look to. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. Let's bow for prayer. Father, I want to thank you once again for the Word of God. Thank you for this service tonight. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that we have to send Brother Josh out, and I pray your blessings upon him. Use this message not only to speak to his heart, but I pray that you'll speak to all of our heart now. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. You can be seated. I want to preach a few minutes tonight on this subject, on the life of David, the man God chooses to use. And can I say tonight that God is willing to use anyone that's willing to make themselves available, amen? 
And what we see in this text here is that God is looking for a king and God is fixing to choose uh, uh, David. God is fixing to use David in a way that David never imagined. But on the outset of this message, and I think, Brother Josh, this will apply to you as well as all of us, that as I see in 1 Samuel chapter 16, that there was a lot of men in this chapter that God used to help shape the life of David. And you know, as we look in our life as men of God and even as women of God, that God always, even though it's God that does the molding and it's God that does the making, but God uses different men in our life or different women in our life, should I say, uh, to make us the person that he wants us to become. What I see in 1 Samuel chapter 16 is that one of the men that God used in the life of David here was his preacher, Samuel. The Bible begins with Samuel, how that God calls Samuel out to go down and to anoint David as king. And we see that it's again that it is David's preacher that is taking the initiative to move forward. And can I stop and say this? David, if he knew anything about Samuel, he knew that Samuel was a spiritual man of God. And I think preachers ought to be spiritual men of God. I think everybody ought to be a spiritual man of God or a woman of God. But isn't it sad that we live in a time when preachers are known for a lot of things other than spirituality? Brother, I want to tell you, David or Samuel was a man uh, that could hear the voice of God. In verse number one, as God spoke to him, we know that he was just a man. He was fearful of Saul, but yet he could hear the voice of God. And God said to Samuel, he said, I want you to go down. He said, I've chosen a man. And he said, I want you to anoint this man as king. And he said, well, what am I going to do, God? He said, if Saul hears of this, he's going to kill me. But God had a strategy and God had a plan. And he gave that plan to Samuel. And a spiritual man will be a man of great discernment. And Brother David grew up having a preacher that was a spiritual man. Brother Josh, I want to say tonight, as well as in your life, as in my life and in the life of all of us, we can testify that none of us can get here by ourselves. Amen? It takes God, and it takes God working in our life, but it takes God using men, and he uses preachers in all of our life to help us, uh, to shape us into who we are. We didn't get here just because we stuck our nose in the Bible all by ourselves and read the Bible and figured this thing out all by ourselves. No, I'm telling you, God's always had a preacher. God's always had a pastor. God's always had an evangelist. God's always had a missionary, somebody that he'll use to help shape our life. And Brother Josh is just as God has used preachers in your life. He's going to use you to be a preacher, to go to the mission field and to help other men and shape their life and, and mold their life. But I see that David had a man in his life and that man was his preacher, Samuel. Then secondly, not only was it his preacher, but I see that he had some parents in his life. And he mentions Jesse here in these early verses and how that Jesse was a, a great influence in the life of David. Uh, David didn't wind up being spiritual all by himself, but thank God he had a daddy who loved God and a daddy who lived for God and a daddy that wanted to serve God and it influenced the life of David. I want to say this to the church tonight, that moms and dads, you, can, you are the greatest influence on your children. 
It doesn't matter if your pastor was John the Baptist. If you don't walk with God, I'm telling you, your preacher cannot do what mom and dad, the influence that mom and dad has in the home, in the life of your children is uncanny tonight. I'm telling you, there is no words, there is no vocabulary that we could have to emphasize the importance enough as parents that how that God uses us to shape the lives of our children. You can take them from meeting to meeting and you can introduce them to preacher to preacher. But I'm gonna tell you what shapes the life of children is that mom and dad coming home from work every day or that mom that is in that home. I'm telling you that godly influence on a day-to-day basis, that godly example, that godly lifestyle is so important. We don't hear a lot of preaching about it today, but I'm gonna tell you the reason David was the spiritual man that he was was not just because of his preacher. You see, he just saw Samuel here and there and now and then, but he lived with a man that loved God and lived for God every single day. And that ought to encourage us tonight as parents. uh, We ought to be a godly example before all of our children. Isn't that right tonight? And so I see that David's life is shaped by his preacher and David's life is shaped by his parents. And then I see in verse number 13 that his life was shaped by his peers or his brethren. As the Bible said that then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him, notice this, in the midst of his brethren. The Bible mentions uh, uh, David's brothers here. It mentions his older brother and it mentions those other men or those other brethren that was in the life of David. And I'm sure that David looked up to his brothers as every a younger brother looks up to his elder brothers and, and as I was thinking about that passage of scripture isn't that the way it is in church when God saves us he puts us in the midst of brethren and God uses brethren in our life peers uh, that will encourage us and help us and strengthen us along this way you see we all make friendships along this life as Christians that strengthen us and makes us better people I know, I'm thankful that God uses a pastor in people's lives, but aren't you thankful for those godly men and women that sit on the pews and that worship with you and maybe they're not a preacher and maybe they're not a a Sunday school teacher but they're sure a godly example and a godly influence. There's somebody that you rub shoulders with. They're a brother that helps you, that influences you along the way and that's the way it is down here. Uh, Listen, my friend, that God will place certain people in our lives for certain periods of time and he uses them to shape us into the man or the woman that God wants you to be. Amen. Why did God choose David tonight? Have you ever thought about that? Brother Josh, you asked the, or you made the statement earlier that I shouldn't even be here. And I thought about why that I'm where I'm at tonight. I think we could all think about that, couldn't we? Why did God allow us to be in this church in, 20, in 2016? Why did God allow us all to come together in this form and in this fashion? I, I want to testify tonight, Bible Baptist Church sure has made a difference in my life. Amen. I'm telling you tonight, it's made a difference in your life. You think about where you was at the day you walked in them doors and think about where you're at tonight. Has this church, has God not used the brethren to make a difference in your life? And I know it's all the Lord tonight. There is not a one of us could take any credit for anybody's life, let alone this family. But I'm telling you, in a good church where you're under the preaching of the word of God and you're around people that want to worship and want to want to live right and want to want to seek uh, souls and want to win the gospel. If you're in a good place, it sure makes a difference, doesn't it? And God, as he looks in a church, you know what God's looking for tonight in this church? 
He's looking for a man. He's looking for a woman that he can use tonight. Not just these two, but these two are an example of just many that God is looking for. But in order for God to use a man or use a woman, there's some things that God is looking for. And I see these things in this text tonight that God saw uh, in the life of David. And when I think about David tonight, I notice in verse number one that it was the Lord that, that, that saw David. It was God that said in verse number one, he said, Samuel, he said, I want you to go. And he said, how long are you gonna mourn for Saul? He said, I've rejected him from reigning over Israel. He said, I want you to fill thine horn with oil and go and I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite. He said, for I have provided for me a king among his sons. You know what I look, I see in verse number one is that God sees David, amen? And can I tell you God sees me and God sees you tonight. He sees every one of you boys sitting on this front row. Andrew, he sees you and what you can become for God. Jonathan, he sees you tonight. He sees all these young ladies sitting here. He sees every one of us from the youngest to the, to the eldest tonight. I thought about in my life when I was a little bus kid and, and growing up riding the bus, I had no idea that God would ever call me to preach or, or put me in a church. Or I had no idea what God would do in my life, but I'm so thankful that way back yonder and that God saw me. He, when I didn't even see him, he saw me. He sees you tonight and he sees you. I'm so glad he sees us, amen. Though others may overlook us and though others may not recognize us down here, God sees us. He saw David, but he not only saw him, but he sought him in verse number three. He said, I want you to call Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show thee what thou shalt do and thou shalt anoint unto me him whom I name unto thee. God didn't just see him, but brother Mike, he sought after him. In other words, it wasn't David taking the initiative. David had no idea what heaven uh, was thinking about him, but I'm telling you God not only saw David but he sought him out and brother God is still seeking out men he's still seeking out women he said in Ezekiel I sought me a man that he might make up the hedge that he might fill in the gap and God is still seeking men in 2016 tonight I want to be that man God seeks don't you after all these years of serving God, I still want to be God's man, don't you? Uh, listen, if I was a, a young lady in this room tonight, I'd want to be God's uh, a young lady. I, I'd want to be that young lady that God puts his hand on and that he uses, and you can be tonight. And God sought David. And I see that, that David in our text, uh, why was it that God sought him? I'm going to tell you why that God sought David. He sought David because uh, in verse number seven, I see that David was sincere, amen? Notice what the Bible says in verse number seven. But the Lord said unto Samuel, look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature because I have refused him, talking about his brother. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but notice this, the Lord looketh on the heart. You know why God chose David over those other brethren? It wasn't because David was stronger. It wasn't because David was taller. But God saw a sincerity in the heart of David that my friend Rick, that got the attention of God. You see, you don't have to be the biggest. You don't have to be the best. Brother Josh, you don't have to be the best missionary. You don't have to be the biggest missionary. You just gotta be sincere in what you're doing. Your heart has gotta be in the mission field. Your heart has gotta be in serving God. Isn't that a lesson for all of us tonight that if God is going to use any of us, uh, there's got to be sincere, sincerity in what we're doing, amen? I think half-hearted service has killed all a lot of our churches. Singing half-heartedly, 
preaching half-heartedly. Getting up and, and testifying half-heartedly. I'm telling you, listen, coming to church and, and there's a, listen, the ministry, Brother Josh, is, a, is just like everything else. If you're not careful, it can become a job. It can become a profession. It can become a burden. You have to keep your heart in check. You, you have to keep your, your spirit in check. and You have to make sure that, you're, you, that your motive and why you're doing what you're doing is sincere. Amen. I know a lot of men that the ministry has become their God. They worked and God blessed them and all of a sudden, somewhere in the process, they quit worshiping him. They quit working for him. They started working for the ministry. It became their empire. They forgot the hand that blessed them. It became what they did. And boy, ministry can do that. I'm telling you, you can make a machine out of anything. Church can become that way. Sitting in a good church week in and week out, you can lose your sincerity because you've heard the singers over and over again. You've heard the preacher time and time again. You know the order of service. You, you know sometimes what's gonna happen before it happens and that's not altogether to say that it's in a rut but sometimes you just know how the, the things flow sometimes in a service. You get, you get used to the personality of your church and you get used to things and before you know it, you know Brother Laddie's gonna give a testimony. Brother Charles is gonna share out. Uh, Brother Danny's going to sing. Uh, you know things that happen in church and if you're not careful, you'll lose that sincerity. God's looking for a man that'll be sincere. I'm going to tell you something. God will walk past a whole lot of talent. He'll walk past a whole lot of recognition and reputation just to find that one man that'll take his whole heart and give it to God and say, God, I want to serve you not because I want to be recognized, not because I want to, listen, I don't want to be, listen, I don't want to make it financially. I don't want to be rich, but God, I want to serve you from the depths of my heart, from the bottom of my soul. I want to do what I do because I love you tonight, amen. Brother Josh, I say that to you and to this whole church. That the Bible says, whatsoever you do, do it heartily, as to the Lord. God chose David because he was sincere. In the ministry, you've got to be sincere every day, not just some days, but every day. In the church, we have to be sincere. Isn't that right? You say, preacher, I want God to use me, young men. Young ladies, be sincere. God used him because David was sincere. God used him, I see in verse number 11, because David was serving. And Samuel said unto Jesse, I hear all thy children. And he said, there remaineth yet the youngest, and behold, he keepeth the sheep. Now that wasn't a very, uh, very high-ranking job. In fact, uh, it was a job, it was the lowest of the lowest of jobs. It was a job that, that wasn't very uh, a thought, thought of. I mean, it was one that nobody else wanted to do. In other words, it was what they called an unimportant job. But we see that David is busy. David is serving. Can I tell you something? And I do think this man has, has placed, uh, has, uh, has revealed that in his own testimony, in his own work ethic. But God does not call lazy people to serve him. Somebody say amen. Boy, we're living in a time of laziness. 
I'm talking about we're living in a time of uncommitment. We're living in a time when people just want to be left to themselves and just want to kindly come and go. Hey, can I tell you something? If you have a good church, you've got to invest in it. Somebody say amen. If you have a church that's thriving, if you have a church that God's moving, if you have a church where souls are being saved, somebody's got to do some legwork. Amen. Somebody's got to be busy. And it's got to be more than the preacher and a few deacons. It's a group effort. And you've got to be willing to get your hands dirty. You've got to be willing to get out in this world and work and labor and work. If you want to have a good church, you've got to work for it. Amen. Everybody wants to go to a good church, don't they? There's a lot of people not willing to put the work into it. I want to say tonight, God uses men that are serving. And let me just say, it doesn't matter the job. It does not need to be a job of recognition or reputation. It just needs to be a job that needs to be done. Somebody had to keep the sheep, isn't that right? Somebody had to to be out there watching after them. I mean, it was an important job, though it may have not been important to others. It was a very needful job. You know what? When we think about vacuuming the carpet and we think about cleaning the toilets and we think about, uh, listen, uh, uh, listen, mowing the yard and different things like that, those don't seem like very important jobs. But can you imagine what this place would look like if somebody didn't take care of that? And I'd say, you say, where does that fit in an ordination service? Very good, because now that you're going to be out pastoring a church, you get to do everything. Amen. I'm talking about from cleaning a toilet to, to, to knocking on door, to praying with somebody in the altar, to cutting the grass. That's a good thing when you start a church, you get to do it all, friend. Amen. I think nothing discourages a pastor any more than to not have the help that's needed. Oftentimes people say to me, well, I just want to do something for God. Do you really? Do you want to do something for God tonight? Do you want to do something that makes the difference? That something may be the very something that nobody else wants to do. There's a list tonight a mile long of things that need to be done in the work of God. You say, preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying the man, the woman God uses are always those who are busy, those who are serving. David was sincere. David was serving. Let me say this tonight. I see here in this text that David was small. The Bible says in verse number 12 that he sent and brought him. Now he was ruddy with a beautiful countenance and goodly look to. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. And Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. David was the least of the brethren. He was small. Brother Josh, this is one of the most important points of this message. It's not the most important, but it is one of the most important points. God only uses small people. The reason God's using you is because of what you said tonight. You don't think that you're anything. The danger of being blessed in the ministry when God starts using you on the mission field is that you've got to remind yourself that often. I think in church we have to remind ourselves that we're not as important as we think we are. This thing can operate without every one of us tonight. You know that? The proof of that is it was doing it a long time before we ever got here. 
God doesn't need me. God doesn't need you. He allows all of us to be a part of it. But I'm telling you, listen, little is much when God is in it. And little is all that we are. If a man think of himself to be something when he is nothing, what he just deceiveth himself. And the truth is not in that man. That man has deceived himself. Too many people have shipwrecked their lives because they were fed the line that they were very important, that God uh, couldn't get along without them, that the church couldn't get along without them, that, that the mission field couldn't get along without them. I'm telling you, listen, if God chooses to use any of us, uh, it's just mere grace tonight. It's just the mere mercy of God. And we've got to stay small in the eyes of God if God's ever going to do anything great with us. I'll close with this thought. David was not only small, but in verse number 13, I see where David was spirit-filled. The Bible says that the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel arose and went to Ramah. David was filled with the Holy Spirit. Brother Josh, if there's one thing that I could emphasize tonight, it would be this. Above everything else, if you're going to serve God, if you're going to make it on the mission field, then every day of your life, that's got to be the ultimate goal. It's not to win the Guatemalans. It's not to build churches. It's to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because God can do more through us than what we can do ourselves. Tonight to the church, I would say to you, the most important thing in all of our life is that we be spirit-filled saints. Well, there's a, there's a great need for that tonight, isn't there? It might scare us to death if the Holy Spirit pulled the curtain back and showed us how many spirit-filled saints we really had. Being filled with the Holy Spirit means, Brother Josh, to be controlled. It means to be surrendered. It means to allow Him to control every aspect of your life. It, it means that you're, that's the controlling substance. That's the driving force. It's not your will, not, not, your, 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 uh, uh, not your desire, but His will and His desire. And that's a daily thing. It's a daily crucifix. I wonder how many of us tonight are filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, a lot of people want to be used, but not a lot of people's willing to be spirit-filled. We need spirit-filled Sunday school teachers tonight. We need spirit-filled deacons. We need spirit-filled choir members. We need, I know this is an ordination service, but it, I'm telling you, it'll work on both ends, won't it? Spirit-filled preachers, spirit-filled mothers, spirit-filled fathers. Hey, we need spirit-filled young people. Wouldn't it be great to have a spirit-filled youth group? Amen. A spirit-filled youth choir, spirit-filled choir. We need, we need spirit-filled missionaries and missionaries' wives. And I'm telling you, we need some spirit-filled soul winners. We need spirit-filled people that sit in the pews. And I wonder tonight how many of us are really controlled by the Holy Spirit. Many of us have yielded our life to God. You know why God used David? Because he was filled with the Holy Spirit. David needed to be filled with the Spirit because the task that he was going to face was too much for him. And I promise you tonight, the things that we face in the ministry, they're so much bigger than what we are. How many times in my life I would have went down the wrong path had it not been for the Holy Spirit. Coming down the road here one day, Brother Josh, I remember I was going to do something one day that I thought with all of my mind, I thought it was the will of God. I thought for sure that I had found the Lord's will. As I was coming down the road, the Holy Spirit, just like that, spoke to my heart, gave me a verse of Scripture, and redirected my path. And I'm going to tell you something tonight. We don't have that wisdom in ourselves. That takes God tonight. 
Finding the will of God isn't some kind of switch we flip on and off. I'm telling you, it takes, it takes walking with God on a daily basis. I wonder tonight, Miss Sheila's going to come and play a verse of invitation. You say, Brother Gravely, I, I thought this was an ordination service. It is. We're ordaining this man, but I'm going to tell you something. I felt my heart when I was praying this afternoon. God said, I want you to preach this to him. I want you to preach it to the church. Because tonight, I want to be the man God uses, don't you? I'm not talking about standing in this pulpit. And I, and I believe that. But I'll tell you, tomorrow, when I go to town, I want to be the man God uses to witness to somebody. When I come home, in the presence of my wife, I want to be the husband that God uses. I, I want to be that man, don't you? It's not something that we just do in the forefront. I want to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. I, I want to be spirit-filled. I want to be spirit-led. I want to be in tune with God, don't you? I don't want to be lazy. I don't want to be just, I don't want to stand at the judgment seat and have wasted my life. I don't want to stand at the judgment seat and even look good in the eyes of men, but failed in the eyes of God. I want to do His will, what He's called us to do. Raising those girls and those boys, that's the greatest ministry you'll ever have. The devil's going to come after your children. While he's serving and while he's preaching the gospel, the devil's coming after those kids, I'm telling you. And he'll take the prayers of a godly mother, spirit-filled, to shield them children, to keep them safe on the mission field. That's the greatest ministry that mother has tonight. And that's the greatest ministry that every mother here has. You'd be well to let the dishes go. Don't let your prayer life go. You'd be well to let the grass grow a little bit higher and cut it the next day. Don't let your prayer life go. I wonder tonight as we stand, our heads are bowed, eyes are closed. God, give us spirit-filled men, spirit-filled preachers, spirit-filled deacons, spirit-filled Sunday school teachers, spirit-filled young people. It's the man, that's the woman God will use. Those that'll be small and say, I don't have to be anything well-known or recognized. God, I just want to put my hand to the plow and I just want to serve you. I just want to, I want to make a difference. I don't have to be seen in the eyes of men. But Lord, I want to hear you say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Lord, I, I pray tonight, Holy Spirit, I pray tonight that you continue to help us to help us in this, in this community to continue to be a lighthouse. Help us to make a difference. Some having compassion, making a difference. Lord, as we commission this, this man and Send this family out. Help us not to help us not to be hypocritical and forgetting what that we have a job to do, that we have a task, and that we must live up to our task at home as well as them abroad. I pray, Holy Spirit, tonight, help us to be sincere. You said, Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with all thy might. Help us not to halfway do anything, but help us to give our best. Lord, you gave your best. Help us to give our best. Lord, we, we don't have to be the best, but help us to give our best for the glory of God.